Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio, still stuck in the Pivotal Film Tower. Yeah, how is it over there? You know, it's it's tall. Does, it's tall. does Larry Kasdan come around still, or is is he no, obeying the social distancing rules? He he stays on the sixth floor and tries to shout up to, you know, the 100th and 30th floor where I am, and I kind of hear a light G, like I just hear Gina every so often for the... Uh, <laughs> The air vents, and and that might be him. That just might be him. Yeah, does he yell up like, I'm out of toilet paper, Mario. Please help no. me. And then I just throw him down more Lawrence Kasdan scripts. <laughs> Why do you have so many? Did you leave them all up there? Did you leave them all up in the in the studio? Well, you got to use something to make you angry. I suppose it's true. I, I, I like to practice trying to rip up phone books, but instead of phone books, I use Lawrence Kasdan scripts. Except for French Kiss, which we learned I liked. Yeah, French Kiss is good. No. No one's got a problem with French Kiss. Um, so how are things over there in the Pivotal Film Satellite Studio? <laughs> in the uh, They're good. They're good. People they're... don't realize this. We are big real estate people. We have multiple ventures throughout the state of Connecticut. Well, and we use them all for podcast purposes. We don't rent yeah. them out to other people. They're all, they're all necessary is... podcast material. Which is interesting because it is a financially uh, a disastrous move for us. But you know, well, especially now, we're not known for our financial acumen. No, if no, anything, we're not known for our financial acumen. This is not a, a, a this is not an investing podcast. So, um, so Quiet Place Two got a new release date of Labor Day. Do we think that's ambitious, or do we think it releases on Labor Day? Um, I think it's. I think it's fine. I think it's probably, if you ask them, I think they'd probably assume it's tentative uh, because they just want to see how this goes. Um, especially yeah. I mean, after it's not gonna be, it won't release in Texas for sure by that point. Yeah. Well, I just think they, um, you if know, there's a Texas. They opened, so they opened. They were set to open the uh, the movie theaters again in, on mainland China, and then um, they closed the day later. Yeah. Yeah, they closed the day later. So, um, you know, who knows if that starts to happen here? Um, it's really and kind of impossible to tell. Um, like if you, you know, look at the New York times totals of, of everything, they look like they're going, um, we like down ish, like from day to day, like, you know, you have like two less than like the day before. Um, but like as States, uh, what was the, Oh, the, um, the guy in Georgia apparently just found out today. Oh, Brian Kemp didn't Brian realize Kemp that. Didn't <laughs> asymptomatic. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, it's just like what I just find it like I think part of the problem here is that all these Stacey Abrams slammed her head in the desk yeah, by the way all these people, and Andrew Gillum just locked himself in another hotel room. Well, I think he's locked somewhere. But you heard that story, right? Yes, I did. No, you heard about this? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. I found out about that story yesterday, and I was like, "Whoa, no, Andrew Gillum!" Why? I just like how the like Andrew Gillum rising star in the Democratic Party. And I was like, "Don't say that! Stop saying that, everybody." <laughs> He's not a rising star anywhere anymore. Um, maybe in D.C. mayoral politics, but that's probably... Or Bridgeport. It's a bridge too far. No, bridge... Yeah, they, they got their guy in Bridgeport, though. Um, maybe <laughs> this guy Maybe this guy takes it to another level. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm fine. Everyone's fine here. I was sad. Um, I got my first, like, relevant, like, coronavirus passing in Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. Oh, who right, did the right. music to to that thing you do? And so that was really weird. 
Um, especially because it's really out of context. You know, they've been selling this thing like it's just people over 65 and with these pre-existing medical conditions and all this other stuff. And then like a 52-year-old guy with no medical conditions just kind of like sneaks in there. Um, I mean, he was a he was a pretty heavy smoker too, wasn't he? Though? Yeah. Um, but, or I don't know how heavy he was. I thought, I, I, think, like, I think I knew that he smoked. Um, not to like make a sound of like, oh, well, it was expected, but you know. No, but that's the thing you don't want. The thing you don't want is for it to register in your life any other way than like the general hardship of like having to kind of stay home forever. Um, yeah, you're kind of hoping that's the closest it gets. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. That's, we're hoping that's the closest it gets. How's everything over there? All right. Oh, yeah, pretty boring. Just the same old, same old. And, you know, I've had a lot of time to watch movies. Oh, we're um, watching some freaking movies, man. Which is which is what I did this week. Uh, you know, I, I said last week we're, we're doing Mirror today by um, Karkovsky. And I had had a pretty big hole in my cinematic viewing uh, with Tarkovsky. So uh, I caught up. I caught up uh, quite a bit this week with Tarkovsky. Didn't watch anything else. The only things I've watched this week were Tarkovsky. Me too. I mean, I watch um, stuff with my kids. You know what I watched me watch over the last two days is... Um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Have you ever seen that one? With the James, James Franco, uh, Sam Raimi movie? Yeah. Uh, I have not. It uh, is. I, I, I stuck away from that. It is atrocious, Mario. Atrocious. Uh, Sam Raimi's last film uh, until he d- is doing the uh, Doctor Strange sequel. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I do not hold out hope for that Doctor Strange sequel. Um, uh, after the Oz the Great and Powerful? Oh, it is, it is awful. I mean, and it's a lot of people's fault. Like I mean, all, all the actors to, are bad. You've seen the Alice in Wonderland, Tim Burton. I haven't. I have never seen so. that. No, because I don't like Johnny Depp, and I don't really like Tim Burton all that much. And, and, I, and you didn't see the Snow White films either. Nope. No, I just didn't know how they would compare, kind of on that level of um, I don't know. Adaptation. Have you seen Into the Woods? I saw Into the Woods. Yeah, I liked Into the Woods. It's okay. So it's it's better than Into the. I mean, it's worse oh, than Into the Woods. It's way worse than Into the Woods, yeah. I mean, Johnny Depp is in Into the Woods, too, and that's, like, my least favorite part. But, um, yeah, Into the Woods is good. Good cast. Isn't James Corden Into the Woods? Sorry. Yeah, but James Corden's... He's okay. Meryl Streep is also cool. in Into the Woods, which is... Is she less, is she less okay? You know what? Um, my daughter listens to the Into the Woods, like, the original Broadway cast recording, because it's free on Amazon Music, and um, Meryl Streep is less shrill and horrible than the woman who plays the witch uh, in the original Broadway cast recording. I'm sure that someone's super famous and amazing at singing Broadway songs, um, but it's just a lot. And the intention might have been to be shrill and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Mario. All right. So let's do this. Let's, let's get into let's it. Get into let's mir- get into the... So now, do we want to say Mirror or The Mirror? It's it's kind of referred to it as in both ways, depending on where you go to look for it. I I don't think it matters much. I think people get our intention. They might confuse it for a bit for the um, Alexander Aja horror film Mirrors, maybe. Mm. And I, I think they'll catch up soon enough. Or Mirror Mirror. Remember that movie? That Julia Roberts uh, Snow White movie? I think that was a Snow White movie that came out around the time of Snow White and the Huntsman. I don't think but so. hopefully... Hopefully our listeners catch on quickly enough. That we're not talking about those movies. That we're, that we're not talking about that. Next no. next week we'll talk about mirrors. 
We should just turn this podcast into an all-mirror movie podcast. We gotta get into the... Uh, did I say Kevin Bacon last time? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. We gotta get into that Kiefer Sutherland horror oeuvre. And Kevin Bacon. Watch Stir of Echoes 2. Ooh, we well. should watch Stir of Echoes 2. We can't... Well, wait, hold on a second. Stir of Echoes or Stir of Echoes 2? We should do them all, Mario. I don't think Stir of Echoes 2 is probably any good. Do you I do think, like the original Stir of Echoes. Uh, well, is Stir of Echoes on the BFI sight and sound list? Uh, I believe it's eighty-three. Oh, okay, right behind stig, uh, right behind stigmata. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you gotta every every top one hundred films of all time list needs an arquette. <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's true. Uh, it was it was hard between it and three thousand miles to Graceland. <laughs> oh man! And, uh, no, they couldn't have done three thousand miles to Graceland because they're not putting a Costner movie on the on the sight and sound <laughs> list. Um. All right, but yeah, we're doing Tarkovsky's Mirror today. Um, I will put... I guess I'll put a clip. Clip. This is Russia. This is not a unforgettable country. Не посмели перейти наши западные границы и оставить нас в тылу. Они отошли к своим пустыням, и христианская цивилизация была спасена. Почему вы такая грустная? А? Я не понимаю, почему так радуетесь. Да знаете, приятно упасть с интересной женщины. Мир из from 1975. Mirror is interesting, I guess. Um, Which know. both of us haven't seen. Um, nostalgia or sacrifice? No, the Andre, the the three hour Andre Rublev, um, and the two and a half hour Stalker really kind of um, ended my evenings. Some of my evenings a little earlier than I wanted them to. Um, I thought I could kind of get a get a get the other two in, you know, like watch half of them at a time. Um, but they just they just those few movies run so long. Which, which version of... Uh, I know Tarkovsky prefers the shorter cut of Andrei Rublev. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the shorter, like, 170-minute version, or did you watch the 205-minute passion version? No, I watched the 170-minute version. I watched the 205-minute version. Did you watch which them both? Been... No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I don't know if there's, time. like, a tremendous difference in... He's... He says there's not significantly. He says a lot of the removal is kind of. Um, he says the the violence in the shortened version is is more impactful because mm. it's more psycho. He said it was more psychologically scarring. Huh. Because um, of its shortness and its brevity. See the thing. I assumed that the I assumed that the um, the longer version of of Rublev would actually be more. Um, There'd just be more um, like pastoral shots of things, more Tarkovsky esque 
like long, just, long I, takes I, I, of just nothing, which was kind of what I was, which was what I thought the movie was like lacking a little bit for me, especially because it was the last one that I watched. I watched it last still, night. It was the I'm last one I watched of the still, series. It still does. It's it's still pretty packed with with um, raison scene, you know, kind of kind of kind of action, as he says in sculpting of time. Well, and so I wanted because I loved um, Mirror. It was obviously the first time I had, I had ever seen it. Um, you know, that's why we're doing it on this podcast. Um, this little series of ours. Um, I especially coming after I, I I did a reread of Zona. I rewatched Stalker. Um, you know, you had recommended Ivan's Childhood, so I went and you know watched Ivan's Childhood, um, and then I watched Mirror, and I just kind of fell in love with the. Um, the openness of that movie and like the space in that movie. And especially like the last 20, 25 minutes or so when the narrative kind of, or the attempt at having any kind of a narrative kind of drops away and you're left with just a camera floating through houses. And then time really starts to get um, confused. Um, Not that he was confused, but it like in terms of the narrative, the narrative time like starts to get confused and starts to kind of overlap with each other and, and weird things like that. And I just, I thought that stuff was really, really great. And going into Andre Rublev, I actually just expected a lot because it was so long and about who was about, I expected tons and tons and tons of that stuff. And I was kind of surprised to find that it was a lot closer to Ivan's childhood than it was to uh stalker say. Well, well, see what I find fascinating. Um, you know, and and just a brief. This we're not going to try to do a run through of Mirror. It, it's 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 more of a culmination of memory and um, history of about fifteen years of of yeah. Russian experience. His his kind of experiences from nineteen thirty five through the early nineteen seventies. Yeah, so and we'll hit years. and we'll and I, I think we'll hit all the points as we we'll hit go the points. Through it, yeah, but it's it's not something that really necessitates a rundown. But the way in which I kind of approached this was I started from Ivan's childhood to Rublev, to Solaris, to Mirror. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like coalesced in this perfect kind of um, trajectory. Mm-hmm. Or this, this kind of, I don't necessarily want to say parabola, but it's kind of exponential logarithmic, or logarithmic kind of like growth um, in terms of his reliance on a mise-en-scene that um, co- conveys sort of the essence of memory. Um, mm. you know, I, I, Ivan's childhood is, is very grounded. It has a lot of imagery that kind of evokes, a, a Robert Bresson or kind of like an Akira Kurosawa kind of imagery. His uh, first two Rublev, movies are, are Rublev is, is, is heavily Kurosawa. The, the entire jester scene, um, where he falls into the rain. I think he even mentions in sculpting in time mm-hmm. is kind of like his, not really his biography, but kind of his uh, philosophy of film. He mentions heavily the importance of the scene in which one of the samurai dies and he's covered in mud and he falls on the ground and the rain washes away his leg and you see the whiteness of his leg. And that's just very much reflecting that jester scene. And so what what becomes a sort of still a strong oeuvre and knowledge because, because, you know, he has an intense literacy of film, um, you know, it becomes less of kind of like this borrowing of, of ideas to, to kind of like create the image he wants to do and it kind of instead molds into its own existence as you get to, you know, Solaris and Mirror. Yeah. Um, 
you know, mirror uh, Solaris still entangles itself with the ideas of kind of like the nationalistic identity versus that kind of self um, actualization that that's kind of like an apparent aspect of those films and, and mirror kind of encapsulates like just that, that totality of just like not giving a shit about necessarily the needs to be literate in terms of um, the vision. Well, it's funny in terms be- of conveying that vision to, to his audience. Yeah. And Solaris is actually an interesting point because I think it's a, it's, it's an interest. Um, it's a, it's a, strange pivot between those two early movies and then and then mirror in the sense that it um so he's still adhering to an aesthetic concept um i mean he's talked a lot about the fact that he didn't want um solaris to look like a sci-fi movie you know what i mean um and i actually think thinking about that stuff you talked in in our claire denis episode you talked a lot about high life and like solaris being compared to each other and in an effect they don't really look at all like each other but i think they operate like each other so i think that was actually a fairly astute comment that i kind of you know um shit all over an hour three of our (laughs) of our claire denis conversation there so i i made that comparison very drunk off of my own 10 shots of rum or however many i took it wasn't that many and and you shit on on what was actually a, a deeply kind of like uh, a good connection. It took six months for me to for me to you know plow through that and, and get to the heart of what you were actually trying to say. Um, mirror, I <laughs> yeah, think, that's 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 about how long it takes. Well, that that's you know we have to we have to stay friends so that six months from any time we say anything to each other, we can go back and be like, you know what, that was bullshit, or you know what, that was a good idea. Just been stuck in my mind. Um, Mirror is interesting because it doesn't really adhere to any kind of aesthetic concept other than I think what is becoming the Tarkovsky style. You know what I mean? I mean, Ivan's childhood and and, um, Andre Rublev do some amazing things with black and white. There is, I mean, the whole bell scene, the whole bell chapter in Andre Rublev is fucking incredible. You know what I mean? And there's some incredible shots leading up to that scene, but you know, it all coalesces well, yeah. around the making of that bell and that it's just, it's, um, you know, I balk at the use of the word terrifying or anything like that. Um, in thinking of things that aren't just shots of people getting their heads chopped off or something like that, but there is a psychic terror at, at work in like the bell sequence. And that's all just, um, that early Tarkovsky things. But then, mirror kind of takes some of those things but it it adds depth to them you know what i mean it adds texture to them where he's just really playing with 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 cinema and in mirror it seems like he's doing something else it seems like he's almost you know manipulating real life somehow um which i find really really fascinating well, and that's think that's i know i agree and and, and he he mentions that once again in sculpting in time and, and i think I think kind of like reading that is 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 really great into getting towards the essence of what he's trying to do. And he talks a lot about capturing dream, like capturing capturing the essence of a dream, and that um, a lot of film takes that kind of theatrical um, has some stage presence with it of you know the shroud of clouds or um, you know kind of the the, the juxtaposition of very fantastic elements. And he says, 
in, in sculpting of time, that, that dream of itself is needs to first be created with um, kind of this skeleton uh, of of realism because a dream takes from it tactile elements, mm. takes from it, you know, aspects of the real life. And then you add on, you know, kind of the, that further element of intrigue or the things that kind of create the, 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 the sculpture of the emotion that you're trying to convey. And I, I think with me, like you, you know, you compare that bell scene, that bell scene, you know, has this, this really kind of profound, moment where, where that, that what is he 14 and he just kind of collapses after the bell plays yep. they just can't even function anymore and then he kind of like you know cries out um and breaks rublev's kind of like vow of silence about how his father never taught him anything and it's just this moment of of real existential like actualization mixed with this just like utter loss mm. and, and that's that's purely tactile and the emotion kind of comes through those, that tactile elements but then you compare it to Mirror and, and sort of that scene um, where in which, you know, um, Alexis Chasana Ignat, you know, kind of go um, goes to the house and, and kind of has that image of the strange woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that makes him read... Um, the Pushkin letter. Oh, God, the, the Pushkin letter. Yeah. You know, he starts out reading kind of the Rousseau letter and whatnot, but kind of like this it has the same sort of element of like existential dread but like um and it ties like the, the nationalistic identity and, and spiritual identity kind of that, that atheistic kind of the state versus you know spiritual existence which, which kind of conveys throughout it and it's very tactile but it you know the, the underlying score and just the presence of it kind of adds this like mysticism to it but it still remains grounded and so he he you know mirror and I just I didn't get to do a rewatch of, of Stalker just because I was trying to like watch this in his chronology, mm-hmm. and I kind of just got I ran out of time, same as you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to go through Stalker and the other three probably this week. Uh, you you kind of see that evolution in, in the vision of what he's trying to show in terms of like trying to convey the the internal thought outwardly and and whereas you know rublev kind of has it from a, a level you'd expect from a filmmaker um of his time at least mirror especially in the mid-70s kind of conveys us more and, and he would hate this because he hated kind of the entire postmodern image mm-hmm. of art um it, it, it's very postmodern and its conceptualization of, of memory and its conceptualization of kind of like nightmares and dreams and whatnot and, and, and a recollection but it's haziness but also it's it's groundedness but i think the thing that i like most about it is that it's not it doesn't ever feel postmodern like it doesn't look no, it doesn't never. look postmodern you know what i mean it doesn't act postmodern i mean i think to, no to, but it, it's just has those elements well i think you said something really um fascinating about the 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 kind of the internal and the external and, and the external kind or the internal kind of um or if you didn't say it exactly, then you kind of alluded to it. The, in, the internal kind of um, like reaching out and, and, and kind of becoming external. I think that's where a lot of the his father's poems play this role in that film where um, they're just voiceover. Um, they're not necessarily tied to a tied to a character. They're, they're read by his they're read by his father. Um, so they're not like it's not a, a character's voice or anything like that. Um but in a couple of scenes, like right, so in the scene right after Masha, so this is the opening scene right after Masha, or the second scene after Masha meets um, Anatoly Solonitsyn, 
on you know he's playing the doctor and they share a cigarette and he breaks their fence and um they go in the house like a, they you get that kind of slow drift up to the house you know what i mean and then they're in the house and there's kids doing stuff and and you just see masha at some point just like tearing up while this poem is going on and you don't get this you don't get the sense necessarily that it's something she's reciting from memory and you don't get the sense that, you know, there's somebody in the house that's reading something to her and you don't get this sense that it's necessarily from the past. It just kind of is. Um, and that's reading Jeff Dyer's um, Zona book a lot uh, or this week. He mentions a lot that Tarkovsky really hated the idea of like sim- or people interpreting symbols and things in his work and that he just things just were. Like, yes. so things didn't necessarily mean anything like, you know, he could focus on a, he could focus on a thing, you know, when I was watching Andre Rublev and there's that scene where, um, the, that white, that white stuff just like comes down the river and you're just like, Oh, what is this white stuff? Is that attached to that, the, the milk that they showed earlier? Like, where does this stuff like attach to? And he didn't want you to do attach to anything. But if you think about the poems like that, she's, what is she crying about? She's got to be. The, the relationship between the poem and the tears, like, have to be there. You know what I mean? Which gives it this feeling that the internal and the external are, like, interacting with each other somehow. It's the relationship between the internal and the external. It's like the relationship between things that are eternal, like a poem, and uh, this fixed moment in time, which we come to understand later, is like, uh, you know, a vision of, uh, you know... a a vision that Alexei's having of his past. You know what I mean? Like some kind of interaction between him and his mother um, in their past life. And that's, um, yeah, I mean, it, that, shit is, that shit is heavy. And then when he overlays on top of that stuff, like the newsreel footage and the like actual real history that's supposed to be happening around this, um, it becomes something else. No, it, yeah, no, it, it does. It adds this kind of like, contextualization it adds this um spatiality i guess guess to the everything else going on Mm -hmm. it's still kind of um i don't know from my recollection of stalker uh just because i I, like i said i didn't go back to rewatch it uh it it feels as though he's he's slowly taking off i don't want to say the training wheels but he's taking off kind of the pretenses he's built from you know the very grounded narrative of ivan's of Ivan and um, you know the, the the fairly grounded narrative of Rublev and Solaris, um, you know, and he's kind of skewed that with mirror, but still kind of there, just to convey like the sense of presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know from Stalker, it kind of he completely starts abandoning that, you know, to to kind of go for broke with with what he intends to do. I mean, Stalker is maybe a little more in line with like what Solaris is, but uh. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they kind of they they operate. Um, they're both like science fiction movies, quote unquote, that deal with um, just like general existential questions that people can have in a non science fiction context. Um, but yeah. by presenting them in a science fiction context, you can kind of have anything happen. So you can have your characters confront literally the most extreme version of whatever that um that question might be um and in mirror i mean so i don't know when when mirror starts um literally the first thing that occurred to me was this is the movie that alfonso cuaron thought he was making when he made roma 
You know what I mean? And the thing that mm. I always said about Roma was what Roma needed was Quaron's presence somewhere. It needed... Or... or... So... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- what I've said it a bunch of times. Uh, uh, Roma needed Quaron's presence. It needed that... It needed the the viewer to understand to have it to have any real power that needed the viewer to understand that this is something that like was actively being like considered because then we could we could see it through the lens of we could see all these you know little you know magical realist touches or surrealist touches or just kind of you know eccentric like you know eccentricities as um evidence of of a process you know what i mean and not just like a director's process but of a of a actual living process so by having alexi in this movie um be a character but like never be seen as an adult you know what i mean he's considering this stuff i guess on his deathbed somehow um or dying from that mysterious i don't want to live anymore melody yeah, yeah yeah um it's it has. I believe it, it's called Padme. Yeah. Padme disease. <laughs> Maybe he was having twins at the same time too. That he just randomly <laughs> named Luke and Leia. Um, it adds a depth that Roma doesn't really have, which is, um, and we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Portrait of a Lady on Fire and like reliable versus unreliable narrators or the romanticization of our memories and stuff like that. He's not like he's not romanticizing anything and he's even like processing memories for people. Like he's processing his mother's life and trying to marry it to, to these weird, vaguely supernatural, but also just, um, you know, atypical to like world history, these fairly supernatural, but atypical experiences and matching them up to world history and trying at the end of his life to kind of come up with like a cohesive vision of what his life was like. Um, or, or a cohesive image that sums up his life or, or something. Um, and I think the problem I always had with Roma was that like, you never got that or something, you know what I mean? There wasn't this like legitimately open-ended question to like, what are we like? What is, what are we answering? Which we could then extrapolate in relation to ourselves. Like you're probably not answering anything. You know what I mean? You could live your whole life and not understand like one second of it. Actually, it's 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 funny you say this because I, I I I came to another movie after seeing Mirror, um, and kind of Roma kind of misses the mark. I, I agree with like it's it's trying to answer these big questions, and I don't think that you know Mirror's trying to do that. No no no. Mirror's not trying to like necessitate those big questions, and I I I, I mean I don't see as much I don't see necessarily the influence um, on. Koran from from Tarkovsky as much as I see like uh, Louis Benedel's like influence. I don't on, know. There's some stuff like, with the black and white, like the 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 hair, the wet hair scene, um, mm. and some of the black and white stuff. She's washed her hair. It was early Masha is is apart. very like. I mean, that's that sh- scene is fucking gorgeous. Um, but some of that stuff well, is no, very. Very core. Like I feel like Quaron probably like was referencing some of that stuff with some of, of of the way he framed some of his black and white images. But to me, that that felt more like uh, Nazarene or Unshian Andalu, like kind of like more of a Louis Bonnell sort of like which what you know is something that like Tarkovsky himself was influenced by. It was kind of like that that Bonnell sort of indifference to um, visual niceties or uh, kind of. Uh, 
uh, contextual niceties. And mm-hmm. I feel like Koran was more influenced from the source than he was from Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie I kind of was was rethinking about when watching Mirror was uh, Joanna Hogg's uh, Souvenir. Hmm. Um, and Joanna Hogg actually like calls Andre Rublev kind of like the film that got her to love film. Hmm. Um, and like Souvenir is trying to do similar things but it's almost trying to do it like in this vessel of like perpet not perpetuity but doing it locked out like almost in a way of 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 vast imperfection and of a uh, removing kind of like the emotional sense of of memory Mm -hmm. as it were and making it kind of like this flatter narrative uh, of naivety um and it's it's just it's interesting to watch mirror and just see just kind of like the profound influence that 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 this film has on just and Solaris kind of has on kind of like the filmography of the people I kind of admire or kind of attached to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I didn't watch I didn't watch all four of these films. You know, I'd seen Solaris before long ago just because I felt like I had to and I didn't connect to it. Um, and I just never really connected to Krakowski, and that's why I kind of didn't see anything. But rewatching it, I'm like, holy shit, this guy like hits all the marks of what I want to see like mm-hmm. in a film. Um, like you watch Solaris and you're like, oh, that's that's like Arnofsky to a to like a core. Right. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, even some like of this stuff the, is the the, the, the the neutrino seas of of Solaris are the you know the the co- the uh, chemistry cosmics of the fountain well i just think i think some of the um some of the textural elements of both of these guys are um are like the same i mean if you watch the end of stalker like when those three guys are just like sitting on that like jetty of dirt that's just kind of like you know in the middle of you know, right in front of the room that's like flooded on all sides from just whatever just like general rain and then it starts raining um there are textures there that you know you don't see in a like legitimate and i'm not talking about like film texture i really want people to understand when i say texture and i'm talking about it in like a tarkovsky movie you actually legitimately feel like you can touch things like you understand how and i'm not talking to you i'm talking to the listeners you understand what those dunes of sand like would feel like to dive in you know what i mean you understand what like the wood floor of that sepia colored bar at the beginning of the movie would feel like to walk on um and Aronofsky does a lot of that stuff too in his films where you, well, you legitimately don't... feel like there there's like it's not just like a, a a film of of just like a set it's just it's the rock it's like the set it's the weird house in the middle of a forest that Javier Bardem lives in you know what i mean it's all these things you know what actually more for me um a director that kind of more kind of captures that tactileness that that kind of that texture and that mm-hmm. that that uh the, the texture yeah. of it is uh, Julian Schnebel. Mm, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And like Diving Bell the Butterfly and especially like at Attorney's Gate, like when um, Rublev kind of like throws the red paint on it, like the texture oh, of that yeah. red paint on the wall feels like that scene in an Attorney's Gate where we, where we move the camera to talk about like painting a sculpture, that, that scene I love. Mm-hmm. Now, like one of the pivotal scenes of my 2018 18, list. Yeah. You know, it, you get that that same essence without necessarily needing to like do the camera move. Like it's presented as a flat image. It's presented dead square, 
but it has that same massive texture. And then when um I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but kind of like the the foolish woman has its kind of um translated to. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That kind of becomes like his his charge. Yeah. Uh his his charge, yeah, exactly. Um is like trying to wipe it away because it has like that blood shit quality to it mm-hmm. on the wall for her. Uh you know, you, you get much more of that kind of granularity and um feel to it than you than you than you do with with the same amount i should say they do with an attorney's gate without the necessitation of of camera movement it just it feels that way because that's what he's done Mm -hmm. you know that's 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 the emotion he's that's the emotion he's created just by having this clear vision of scene i'm so pissed that he needed to like go into irradiated areas for stalker and kill himself yeah 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 yeah. i mean those i think it's um interesting this that this guy with like this guy with like 1990s or 2000s budgets would have made some great films i mean he probably would have been dead by now but well but he pro- i think he was gonna run into he was gonna end up <clears throat> running into the same thing that kurosawa ran into which is like he you know this guy is what everyone considers or even like kubrick to a certain extent i mean kubrick worked with a studio and, and what have you but and kubrick could make things but kubrick couldn't do like anything he wanted he still had to justify the existence of his movies and this but kurosawa had to do it differently i mean he had to get like independent funding from like scorsese and these other directors and francis ford coppola to make dreams i mean i just imagine that tarkovsky probably would have gone through the same thing where he would have counted on like the people that really liked his movies to kind of speak up for him and let him have you know whatever he makes this point in sculpting in time where he talks about kafka he talks about Kafka as like kind of the, the great, interesting artist um, because Kafka created the things he wanted to see, the things he felt without necessitation of an audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had even told the executor of his will that once he died, burn all of his works like yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. from his life was published. And he, he says like Kafka interests him because he felt like a man out of time and everything about Tarkovsky and mirror like mirror especially kind of definitively has this billy pilgrim-esque element to it a <laughs> feeling internal almost, yeah, yeah but it feels unstuck in time you know it it, it you, you talk in, in that kind of like one of the final major like monologues um i i thought maybe it was one of his father's poems but i tried to look it up and it didn't seem like it mm-hmm. um but he talks about you know the soul and the body the skin kind of being like the skeleton's sheath or whatever. Yeah. And the soul, you know, meaning nothing without the body, but the soul always looking for something else. And, you know, it's, it's discontent with the eyes and the ears being just buttons. Um, and it has this, you know, sculpting in time mentions this kind of like sense of man's immortality because even, you know, he, he, he comes off as a pretty spiritual guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, like sculpting in time, just, constantly quotes the bible and whatnot you don't know necessarily if he's a thomas Mannion like very hardline religious person or if he's more a person just who had an appreciation for religion well, i got the impression the same yeah i got the impression just from watching from watching his movies that he um is like a nick cave type person although i think he has he's aligned himself to a religion he's also really just fascinated with the idea of what it means to believe in something and like the nature of belief and how yeah, that like a- belief informs or overwhelms or accentuates like various aspects of our life. Well, he talks about, you know, he talks about like art versus science and how people try to make art 
into a science by experimenting. And he is his denigration of that. And, and Mirror even talks about, uh, is it Mirror or, no, no, sorry. Solaris talks about um, love, death, and happiness kind of being those great unknowns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of no matter how you try to define those by science, they, they are more than science, no matter if they're just neutrinos or whatnot. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I get this kind of essence from him of, of eternity, of, of timelessness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what Mirror conveys this 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 essence of a wandering spirit you know and it kind of has less it kind of has more of like an idealized it's kind of like the idealized juxtaposition the yin of of ideals to you know um vonnegut's uh dresden bombing yang of of fatalistic sort of immortality mm -hmm. uh and, and that's i don't know I, i'm I'm coming into this, and it's just like Tarkovsky is what I've been, what I've been looking for, and I'm sure every single idiot white male has said this in their life. I, I feel like I feel like I need a copy of. I feel like I need to put his entire filmography on top of my copy of Ulysses, which I don't have. But, <laughs> um, you know. but it's funny that you said that because I, when I was watching these movies this week, I felt the same thing, and not that from like a white male like you know sinister. Um, perspective, but like, I, I don't mean white male. I just mean I mean like basic bitch. No, 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 no. But you know, just that kind of like you know uh, that yuppie. stereo I yuppie. No, or that or that yuppie, like yeah. that um, uh, cinephile stereotype. You know what I mean? Um, Kino. But I think from just I think from a um, a mental health standpoint, they were actually really they were invaluable experiences this week, especially Mirror and especially Stalker. Um, and then the last like hour of Andre Rublev, you had texted me that like you could really feel its length. And for the first two hours, I was like, "Holy shit! I don't, I don't see how this movie ends. Like, I just assumed it was gonna go on forever, and it was never gonna get light out, and I was gonna stay on my couch for the rest of my life, and this movie would just be playing. I just didn't, I just couldn't foresee it. But especially Stalker and and Mirror, um, they really kind of took me out of. Um, thinking like I don't know either subconsciously or consciously 24 hours a day about like corona stuff you know what I mean and and kind mm. of put me in the place of of thinking about humanity on um like on a level that had more to do with you know grace than than just like the 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 nuts and bolts of like what we what we've just kind of come to experience you know what i mean thinking of it in terms of just like what am i going to eat and what am i going to do and like the just the, these very specifics but opening up the opening up the experience of being a person um and what it meant to want something and what it means to to believe in something and what it, it which is all I've ever wanted at it like which is what I'm looking for in movies if we ever get back to our list like we're going to start to confront this on like my list like on a regular basis on a weekly basis this stuff and like mirror I'm going to suggest we, we get back to the list that's this this is going to be the extended break so we should <laughs> Sorry, good. No, 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 but this is this is where I think we I think, stop. I think we said we were going to stop doing the list. Because no, you you cut out. You cut out. So, so sorry. Oh, you cut okay. out because 
I thought you stopped talking, so I just started talking. Oh, that's okay. This still works. Um, I think we should. I didn't. I think. Oh, I don't know. I can't talk. I don't think either of us thought this was going to work as well as it was working. So we can probably go back to the list at some point. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's some stops and starts, but we're generally having like a regular conversation. We're both drinking New England Brewing Company beers and and you know having a conversation. So we could probably get back to this. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It has. It, they were. Um, it was a it was a, a a nice experience in a time that's full of, um, you know, for me like also nice experiences in the sense I get to have like spend like tons and tons of time with my family, which I definitely wouldn't have gotten to do if this hadn't happened. But also just like terrifying experiences, um, which it's, life it's, is it's now. Funny yeah. you. Good. It it's funny you say that because like I said, I, I didn't get to rewatch Stalker. It's on the weekend. It's it's it, the Stalker. Nostalgia and um, uh, the sacrifice are on the weekends template with Onward and Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, um, which we'll talk next week about Onward and Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Uh, but holy fuck, did Solaris punch me in the gut this week? Yeah, that was like like the same exact thing you're saying. Mm-hmm. Solaris did for me. Yeah, it was this sense. And I guess it once again comes back to like the the fact that I always respond to films about relationships, mm-hmm. like just you know like we ended on closer with my little <laughs> kind of uh, pantheon of the discussion about the the quadrilogy of films. Yeah. Um, but it was it was kind of the, like I rewatched Solaris today for the first time in years like 15 years mm-hmm. and i've been obsessively following kind of the, the the coronavirus thing as it's been going like watching the death toll rise and everything and, and i don't mean to to mitigate or um not mitigate i don't mean to demean the world in which we live but i was definitely getting to a point where i was overthinking about it i was letting oh, it consume yeah. my life where i shouldn't have and solaris had this grounding effect for me, of, of respect of science, a respect of the natural world around you, but also a realization of the concepts, no matter if they're grounded in science, like no matter if the idea of love or death or happiness is grounded in scientific experience, you know, the experience in of itself means more than its tactileness. And it made me recenter and right after I finished Solaris, I went on like a five or four mile run and I didn't think about Corona at all. I thought, I thought of like art running, mm. you know, I, I, I thought for the first time in a long time, of like story ideas, you know, some of, some of it relates to like the entire Corona experience or whatnot, but it was not an idea, no more of fear, mm-hmm. but kind of like this, this thought of kind of like creation and of, of, of processes no matter if they're just interpretations of the physical scientific world, the experience unto themselves is, it was, was greater than that. And, yeah. and kind of like Solaris did that for me. And it's kind of interesting that like, well, you know, his filmography just feels so much like it because, you know, he's, he's fit, like he says, you know, sculpting a time where he talks about, you know, the screenwriter creates one thing, one image and the, the filmmaker creates another image. And, 
you know, there's that famous story. Eventually, him and um, I can't remember his cinematographer's name off the top of my head, George. Yeah, it's um, no one's holding uh, you to this Russian name. Um, you know, when you know they they eventually like break up because of Stalker, right? Like they both die from Stalker, but mm-hmm. like there's they're very cantankerous against each other against Stalker. Um, but when they're making Mirror, like he's trying to like. Tarkovsky's making it kind of like as a memory of his own childhood and a cinematographer would later say that he made it as an image of his childhood Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like these spiritual identities kind of no matter if that's a grounded spiritual identity like a scientific spiritual identity but just still it's 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 personality placed on top of tactile experience Mm -hmm. you know and and no matter like Solaris for me and kind of like this entire filmography for me leading up to this became these nice little beacons of light in terms of individual experience placed upon a very cold, harsh world. You know, no matter what the world kind of steals from you, no matter what science looks like, what history, and like even a mirror, you know, you get looks at the Sino conflict, you get, you get this, the, uh, of world war two of, of just really dark things and you see that conflict of science um and 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 spiritual identity in solaris and you see you know ivan's dreams versus world war ii and ivan's childhood and mm-hmm. you see you know the tartar evasion versus um and, and kind of like the grand prince's kind of mass malaise malaise, Mm -hmm. uh, versus kind of like spiritual identity and creation in Andrew Rublev. You see this like constant conflict, but um, synergy to use the worst word ever between the two. And it kind of, it put me at ease this week almost. Well, that's, I mean, that's a a really excellent way to say it because the thing that I kept thinking about was um, we are being asked to think of, no, we're not being asked of it, but it's being what is happening now is being portrayed in, or the easy way to think of what's happening now is in two ways, and that's either denial or fear. You know what I mean? And I think listening to watching Stalker, and I think it's interesting that we're meeting in the middle here with where Mirror is the movie we're talking about this week, but you're at Solaris and I'm at Stalker, and you know we're going to meet in the middle here at Mirror. Um, Stalker kind of re-established um, a little bit. Um, in my thinking, the idea that like wanting something is a lot more difficult than like just wanting it, and that human emotion is a, and, and human desire is a lot more difficult than um, like simply stating stating something. You know what I mean? Like desire or or wishes or hopes um, or or even like your innermost dream, your innermost desire, as they put it in Stalker, is not as simple as just being like I would like a lot of something or I would like something to stop or I would like something to start. Um, it carries all these layers of, 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 um, like disappointments. It carries the layers that, uh, that, um, come to fruition when like you live like a full life. Um, and mirror is kind of an interesting, um, example of that. I, of that idea. I mean, he did mirror before stalker, but you know, um, it's just, if, I mean, I, I would love to see kind of like a, someone develop some kind of graph or, or like physical chart of something of, of, 
of mirror and it would look really weird it would look like a like a really crooked jenga stack you know what i mean with like some other parts sticking out and it's started to turn a little bit and there's it's just really uneven and it moves around a little bit and that's just kind of what life is and it's not just one thing or the other thing and um and these movies kind of brought that to the fore this week in a week that I really kind of needed them where like I probably like you, you spend, you you know, you spend a couple hours a day just being like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, every, nothing seems justified. doesn't seem like you're justified doing anything. You know what I mean? Um, because you know, whatever is happening is happening. So you just feel like a jerk for doing anything other than thinking about that. Um, but you can think about that and still have, you still have to process your, you know, the, the basic elements of your life. And I, 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 I think that's an interesting point is the fact that these movies made me realize that, especially like in a time like this or in a time of like great difficulty. And, and you know, you can explicate this from the period in time we live in to any time you're kind of like struggling or having difficulty um, and feel really kind of separated from the world. Um, and, you know, right now we all physically are, but I, th- I think these, these hit from any moments where you're just feeling like you don't get anything and, and like, you know, you're in a moment of depression or, or desolation. Um, and these are, are really, you know, as, far as as spiritual of a guy as Tarkovsky comes on, they're, they're intensely humanist films um, mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, no matter how different people can be in each of these films, you know, um, I, I guess I, I guess I, I kind of mostly use uh, Solaris and my memory of Stalker for this. Um, you know, we, we are one in the same in terms of our ambitions and dreams. Like we all might say we have a state, like from Stalker, we all might say we have a stated goal, but we all kind of have the same own selfish or kind of misguided ambitions um, that we ourselves don't even realize. And from Solaris, we might all say that we have this one common goal for a national identity, but really we're all kind of flawed and kind of broken in our own ways. And either we kind of accept that, that we need to accept that to truly get past everything, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we need to be on that Island uh, on you know, the planes of Solaris and not, you know, killing ourselves because of the fact that we can't deal with the unstated guilt. Um, or, you know, how, how Alexei dies kind of from that guilt that, that nobody, that nobody understands why he feels um, like his films just felt intensely, intensely humanist in the sense of like, we're all flawed, we're all broken, but we all at the same time have these same dreams and ambitions and hopes and desires and kind of same senses, um, you know, the quote poster of a lady on fire does, you know, does love always feel like you're inventing something? And it's like, that's life, you know, life always kind of feels like you're, you're inventing something that you're, and he says this in Sculpting in Time, like individual experience is kind of this feeling of creation of something new. Mm-hmm. Even though it's been thought of a thousand times before, you're creating something new because you're the only person who's experienced it. So while you're an individual, it also is this image of unity, you know, that everyone is just 
the same like that. And that's kind of like what I took from this. Um, and these films is like, they're very individual statements. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just okay, you, you froze on my screen, so I just want to make sure. Um, they're very individual statements, but they're they're very individual statements that, you know, his cinematographer himself said he did, and, and Tarkovsky said he was doing a different thing, and he says, like, screenwriters would write one thing, and he would direct them in a different way, but they ultimately coalesce into this, like, unified image that can speak a thousand different languages, mm-hmm. but be understood by, you know, they're they're the inverse of the Tower of Babel in that there are a thousand different languages, but everyone understands them. Um, yeah, I don't know how. I don't think there's any like a, a better way to say any of the things you just said. Yeah, we both seem to have a really profound experience watching Tarkovsky movies this week. If you don't have Criterion Channel, sign up for Criterion Channel. His entire filmography, including um a couple of his shorts films and i think voyages in time is in there his documentary yep and um and there's tons and tons and tons of like commentary videos from like everybody you know you get a 30 minute jeff dyer video you have just you know lots and lots of directors that have something to say um about tarkovsky so it's if yeah if you're interested in it um you can do this is, I mean, I guess that's the beauty of the Criterion Channel. You could watch the whole thing and get a lot of really good, um, like, criticism about it in, like, in one place. You don't have to hunt and most it down. Of it, and the nice thing is most of it's, like, without this, like, weird pretense. No. Too. Like, the, the interviews I were watching just kind of, like, were all the same thing we're saying, which is just kind of, like, this all made me feel. Well, and I suppose that's like the best part of of Jeff Dyer's book is that I do have to I have to borrow that when this is all over. Yeah, it. well, I mean, I made you might the page I had to tape some pages in, and it is heavily highlighted and stuff. But um, yes, you are free to borrow it. Um, keep, I might get my own copy as well. Keep tape handy so you can put the pages back in as they fall out. Um, but that's where I mean the book is really just about like here is this movie that I saw that made me feel all these different things at this certain point in my life, and I've kind of never been able to get over those feelings. Um, and he thinks that like the end of the book that he may have by writing the book, he may have like finally processed like stalker and stuff like that. But I also don't, I probably don't believe that that's true in the same way that I think that you and me having these conversations about our, our, you know, pivotal films, but they're not going to be processed out of us. Like I'm still gonna, you know, we were watching, um, spoiler alert. We were watching the high fidelity show on Hulu um, have you had a chance to watch High Fidelity on Hulu, Mario? I don't. I don't have Hulu. Okay, so they remade High Fidelity. I think as we've talked about on this very briefly with Zoe Kravitz as as the John Cusack character, um, and it fucking stinks. Oh man! At first you said Zoe Kravitz, and I interpret that as Zoe Kazan, and I no. got very excited. No, well, Zoe Kazan is on an HBO show, The Plot Against America, which I should watch because I love that book. Um, so the 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 movie or the TV I mean, show a version of the movie, which is what it is, the TV show version of the movie is not very good because it's just a TV show version of the movie. These, um, I I haven't processed. I've thought about High Fidelity and I've 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 um watched High Fidelity a million times and now I've seen and I've read High Fidelity and now I've seen this TV show and I haven't been able to process it out. I feel like some of these movies are things like you don't process out and i feel like people's attachment to tarkovsky movies are things that you don't like process out they become like well, weird um 
like cinematic touchstones in in your, the evolution of your thinking. Well, actually, what's what's funny about that, like you're mentioning pivotal stuff, like in the copy in your copy of Zona is like the your original draft of your pivotal film list. Right? I know I should post that on Twitter. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, well, I mean, I was a lot of spoilers. <laughs> well, they're not in order. There's just I suppose yeah, I'll do the second page where it's all back half of the list stuff that we've already talked about and some other things. Um, but yeah, I was reading Zona when we put, when we started conceiving of this thing and I had to come up with my list and I just, I was at actually, it's funny. I was at seven C's in Milford. It's a bar in Milford downtown. Milford. Okay. I was waiting to get a train, but I was super early. So I went to seven C's and I was drinking some beers and I was reading thing and I was texting you and I was like, oh, I gotta start working on my list then. Got to start figuring out what this hundred is. So it started right. It started right there. It's, it's Tarkovsky. It's interesting it's that in a Tarkovsky book would be a, you know. And I forgot that it happened list. until like I turned to the back of the book when I was reading it. I was like, "Oh shit, like, this is weird." <laughs> this, oh boy, this is really weird. All right, so next week are we just gonna do the two new movies, or did you want to do another thing off of Sight and Sound? Did you? We were had talked about in the mood for love last week. Did you want to do that one too, or? Um. Yeah, I mean, you you said you hadn't seen the Mood for Love. I had not seen it. No, I have not seen the Mood for Love. So let's uh, do. We'll do our two reviews of and in Mood for Love is kind of like the movie that's most often be called like the quintessential modern film you have to watch. Yeah. For. Well, I was I was kind of reading up on it, and I'm 100 percent not going to watch anything else by that director, um, just because he it, also did like what 2012 and right. Oh, I don't know, but it's everything's just kind of all over the place and not available and what have you. So I'm just I'm not even going to worry about it. It's not like a Tarkovsky loves. A, I assume it's a It's is that Criterion Channel? I don't know. If it's not Criterion Channel, I'm pretty sure it's coming to Criterion Channel this month. That would be good. Let me look this up actually before we disconnect. It is it is on Criterion General, so that was that will that will fit. There you go. All right, excellent. So next week, uh, from sight, what what number is that in sight and sound again? Do, do you know? It's pretty. It's pretty high. Yeah, let me look this up. Uh, in the mood for love is twenty four. So it's right around the kind of the numbers that we've been working on. Because like, the other, my other suggestion would have been Ahazard, Balthazar. We could do that one too. Um, it might be fits. I think maybe Ahazard, Balthazar fits because, you know, going off like uh, Tarkovsky said in Voyages in Time that uh, Robert Bresson kind of achieved, uh, achieved uh, absolute simplicity in film mm-hmm. and compared him to Bach and Tolstoy. Well, and, and Diary of a Country Priest was a big movie <coughs> for. Um... Tarkovsky as well. Yeah, I say I say next week maybe we do a Oh Hazard Balthazar. I mean, it's supposed to be a little bit of a dark movie, but I think uh, we're kind of used to uh, used to the world we're in right now. So maybe Oh Hazard Balthazar might be might be a good one. Let's to do continue it. Continue on. Let's keep it dark. If we have any our Tarkovsky t- discussion. For next week too, we could discuss it then. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. If you feel, if you, you know, see Stalker in those other three movies, and you, I, come I think back... I've, I think I'll finish out Nostalgia and and uh, 
at least the sacrifice. It seems like nostalgia from hearing what he said and from reading everyone else, maybe the nostalgia wasn't necessarily a movie close to his heart as much as the sacrifice was. Mm-hmm. So at the very least sacrifice. Well, nostalgia was an attempt at something, which is, I think why it has a documentary about like it being made or not even it being made. It's the locations of the movie being scouted. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, so let's do, we'll do all hazard Balthazar for next week. And then uh, the week after we'll do, um, in the mood for love. In the mood for love. And then maybe after that, we'll go back uh, go back to the list. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. That'll be good. Yeah. We had a little bit of a little bit of audio issues this week early on, but it, it settled out. I don't know I think, what happened. I, I think you're right. I think you're right in the fact that like we have some sort of gremlin <laughs> we that should, exists we should both, on the wing yeah. on the wing of our pivotal film plane. By we the should. way, guys, we have a pivotal film satellite studio, pivotal film tower. Yep. Pivotal we, film banana stand and a pivotal film plane. Yeah, we're also um, thinking of investing. And there's a gremlin in, on the wing that's just staring at John Lithgow and William Shatner we're and all, saying, come on, bitch, come on. We're also thinking of investing in one of those houses that just like floats in the ocean next to countries that have very little government regulation. So, you know, we're all over the place. <laughs> we're, all, we're all over the place. By, by that, you mean Georgia and Florida? <laughs> well, they didn't know they could have government regulations. If they did, they would have regulated everything. It's funny that I almost stopped on just saying Georgia, and then I instantly realized there was a country called Georgia, and I had to say Florida to make my the joke process. Yeah, well, I just said Georgia. Our one listener from Georgia would be like, "What the fuck? Why is he throwing shade at us?" It all processes. Stupid Georgia and Florida. Get it together. Uh, Uh, The Santas. The Santas was probably going like, "Ah, I'll finally order a some order." An hour before, yeah. This after all those douchebags were like talking to news cameras and being like, "If I get Corona, I get Corona. This is ruining my spring break." It's like, yeah, you gotta. It's okay. Tell your people to stay home, so we don't have any more of that. If the worst thing that happens is we just get no more of those assholes, then we're fine. Then it was a good decision. If 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 the death rate of Corona was like. 30 times less, but it also ruined all those people's spring breaks, I would almost be thankful for Corona. If the, if, yeah, if it was like 99.9% less. But this is that's, something that, that's, that's more than This is something that me and my wife talked about. The only people that died from Corona were people that like attended Corona parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, the, also ruined their or those break. motherfuckers who lick toilet seats. Oh, on well, TikTok. They're, they're, I'm sure they would have also attended coronavirus parties had they been invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that was the worst people, thing that people were doing. Those people licked toilets because they weren't invited to coronavirus parties. Oh, my God, Mario. We've, we've pivoted. We've pivoted all the way into <laughs> coronavirus. All right. Well, our, our, listener, our listeners definitely realize that by this point they can tune out. Yeah, I suppose uh, that's true. All right. So the, the Democratic convention got postponed, too. Did you hear that? To August. doesn't matter. It's, it's, people it's, remember this as an election year. This shit's over. That's exciting. I don't. I love Bernie Sanders. I want the best for him, but he's got to go because. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought you meant the actual election. I was like, I don't think the actual election's over. I don't. I don't know. Do people even remember who's like? That's. This is why Bernie Sanders needs to drop out so that like 
they can coalesce this narrative and that Joe Biden can start picking running mates and kind of start throwing out like relevant, you know, um, relevant news tidbits and things like that. Instead of him just going on Sunday morning talk shows and saying, you know, redundant things about coronavirus. Well, thank God he didn't accidentally pick Andrew Gilliam as his running mate. I, I think I remember when like people were like Gilliam. originally pitching, um, vice presidents that he was definitely on like the long list of people that could be picked which is weird because he was just a mayor of tallahassee i think right i don't know but i guess mayors can be presidents now i mean we really lowered the bar for a non-politician to be president well it's not even about mayors it's just horrible evil pieces of shit can be president is what we've established so all right i gotta go because i'm falling asleep again all right. All right. Uh, we will. So, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com or you could tweet us at filmpivotal. Um, um, or you could. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Is that it? Does it? Does it? Really. Or you can uh, message us at pivotalfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, did you already say that? Or you can go to pivotalfilmpodcast. Like... The, the website's the thing I left open. Oh, yeah. You can go to pivotalfilm.com and you can see. Um, our lists that we haven't done and I have to update it with some of these episodes and there's links to stuff and uh I've been trying to tweet some things as I've they've been approaching uh or I've as I've found them um, and to our new listeners since all this started well welcome welcome listening. I mean this is roughly how the show goes anyway it just yeah. is about like two specific movies per week and not just like this one you know this this one movie thing where we just kind of talk for an hour. Well, this is this was my image of what pivotal film was going to become after this was done, but I just started it early. We just did it. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, coronavirus. Yeah, you're so helpful. Yeah. Ugh, God, stupid fucking coronavirus. All right. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So what you guys should do? What should you do? Should, I have it in my hand. Should drink drink a beer, a local R2, beer. Two, or three, or ten. Or ten as many but as you need. Before you do that, make sure you disinfect the can, let it sit out for at least ten minutes, wash it off with water, and then drink it. We don't know if that helps, but better safe than sorry. Listen, the woman at at New England Brewing was wearing gloves up to her elbows. Put it on my trunk. Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? It's fine. Um, if you don't know though, better safe. Than sorry. Yeah, drink one of those safely. Uh, watch a movie. You got nothing else to do. And we will talk to you next week.